Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, folks, wherever you are in the world. This week's episode of the Plant Proof Podcast is something I am very excited about. It's a new format, a format that I thought about just last week. I had a friend of mine, Jeremy Butler, coming to stay with me, who is is a, a fascinating human and has a really fascinating health story and, and life story in general. And it, it got me thinking, I think myself included and a number of the listeners, we want to to we want to hear from doctors and we want to hear from professional athletes and other health professionals, but we also want to hear from everyday heroes. People who have done their own research and have their own journey and transitioned to a plant-based lifestyle and how it has impacted their life. What are their learnings? And for me, I really admire the way that Jeremy goes about his life. And I really hope you enjoy this episode. We cover enormous territory. We, we could have talked for three, four hours. It's a 90-minute episode, so brace yourselves. There's a lot of juicy, great content here. I hope you enjoyed this new format of the Plant Proof Podcast. Jeremy Butler, welcome to the Plant Proof Podcast. Welcome, Simon. I feel very welcome. I'm excited to be here. It's a great, great privilege. I'm scratching my head. I'm pinching myself. You know, never been interviewed before, so I'm excited, man. We're both so passionate about this. So let's let's do it. Now, mate, we let's paint the picture. Firstly, you you're from Adelaide. You've come up for the weekend. You're you're staying with me in Bondi, and you are a, a guru when it comes to. <laughs> To calisthenics, it only only takes one one look at, at your social media profile, and and I can attest for it. Only takes one session with you down on the bars to to see what you can do down there. Yeah, we just went and had a bit of a workout this morning, and uh, I was I was very impressed, Simon, with your with your <laughs> level, mate. You did well. You're I think you're overstating. I'm definitely not a guru, but yeah, I do I do love the the bars and love the calisthenics. So yeah, it's a passion of mine as well. Love it. And we met. Must have been around nine months ago now. Yeah, we met in December last year. I was over here visiting a friend and um, we had dinner and yeah, it was, it was good to meet you and look, here we are. <laughs> and and on, on that night, I mean, I, I was certainly ordering the, the vegan food or making, we were at a restaurant, which was um, a restaurant which can cater for anyone. It's called Chin Chins in Sydney. Great place. Delicious, delicious food. And I would have been ordering dishes that were, vegan but by default or or modifying dishes can you remember on that night did 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 you pick up on what i was ordering or what, what i have a great memory of that night and you didn't even let on like i actually didn't even know that you were vegan at the time i didn't i mean we had a we had a big conversation like we were sitting side by side and we talked about fasting we talked about all sorts of stuff and i never really picked up on it and and yeah i was probably just like you know eating the normal food I used to eat back then. And, and yeah, it was when I found out you were vegan, I think you contacted me a few months later and, and I was like, oh, wow, didn't even know. So, yeah, <laughs> I'd never met a vegan quite like you. Didn't tell me you were vegan. Well, I was probably a little, not intimidated, but Jeremy's a very shredded, in, oh. in shape fella. So I probably thought, well, it's just the singlets, we'll, mate. we'll, we'll save, save this lights. conversation for another night. So I sort of slid under the radar there and I ordered my my tofu and vegetables and we had a, we had a good night. It was a good night. Mate, I'm really excited to, to share your story. For me, your 
a blueprint of so much more than someone that's living a plant-based lifestyle, but someone who is looking consciously at many aspects of your life, if it, if it is about sustainability, whether it's you know spending quality time with your family and friends and prioritizing time. I know these things are all super important for you. And, and I think in this conversation, we're going to touch on a number of those. And you currently live in Adelaide, but I believe you grew up in an area called Riverland. The Riverland, yeah. The Riverland. Just sort of west of Mildura on the river. Beautiful place. I absolutely loved the Riverland. I grew up in Renmark. I was born there and it was just a really cool childhood. So so active. Um, That was a bit of a different era in the mid 80s. I'm 35 now. So I was born in 82. And we just used to, you know, we sort of tear around on our bikes and I I was pretty active kid, pretty hyper. We used to water ski a lot. And um, we used to regularly sort of go to Adelaide, but it was a really great place to grow up. And I had a lot of, you know, really great memories and times there and good friends and it's a good place. I go back and visit regularly. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just a really, you know, classic sort of Australian river town. You know, there's a big river, sort of mighty Murray just goes right through the middle and willow trees and plains and bush. It's just a great, great place. And was it a a tight-knit sort of small community where most of the families would would know yeah, I think you know, the population in those days was around sort of 7,000-ish. We did sort of know every everyone. There was sort of one main area school that I was in, so I sort of knew everyone there. I moved to the city, well, Adelaide, big city for a guy like me, <laughs> about 97 when I was about 16, sort of when I started. I'm a, I'm a plumber. So when I started my trade, I had to do trade school, so I, rather than traveling up and down to Adelaide, I just moved and the whole family moved then. We had a bit more opportunity for work and things there. And that's been a great shift. Like I, I've just fallen in love with Adelaide since I moved there. And in the um, introduction, I know that you're a humble man, but in the introduction, I mentioned that you, you obviously keep yourself in great shape. At what stage of, of growing up was it in your teenage years or where did you start to sort of develop a passion or love for sport or fitness? And, and how, how was that a part of your life in those sort of teenage years and when you moved to Adelaide? Well, I was always a um, really active kid, like highly active. Like I think I drove my parents absolutely crazy because I used, used to just used to tear around the town on my BMX and, and just we were really active kids. And sports, I never really played competitive sport or organized sports at school, but I was just always out there, just rarely was inside. Um, and as I'm sort of got a bit older and I went into the trades, obviously my, my family are all plumbers. So I became a plumber with my dad and, um, you just, it's a physical job. It's a really physical job. Like there's not many sort of skinny, weak plumbers around. They're all, we're all pretty socky units and a lot of digging, a lot of lifting, long days. So it it became important to me to, to really get into the gym and, and keep that, that strength up. And I was working with a lot of older guys who were a lot bigger than me. So I was kind of like the scrawny kid on the, you know, and when the, when the, when we started and I think after I left school, I put on like about 30 kilos of just size in about 12 months. <laughs> like I just went from skinny kid to, to, you know, big unit in, in sort of 17, 18. And, you know, I must've been, I don't really remember. I must've been eating a lot of food. <laughs> like my mum used to always complain that I was just had this insatiable appetite, but sleeping a lot, eating a lot, working hard. And I was in the gym, but it wasn't really sort of targeting anything in the gym. I was just kind of learning the, the classic kind of 
go to the gym, do your, do your back day, chest and tries and back and buys and legs, just sort of your classic bro style lifting sort of games just to stay in shape. But it wasn't, it wasn't really at the level that I would say like, oh, these days I'm really sort of committed to the whole process and I'm sort of really scientific and really committed about it. But back then it was just a bit more random. And, and the sorts of foods, I mean, you just said then you must have been eating an enormous amount of food to put on that amount of weight early on. So this is when you just moved to the city, you were 16, 17, 18 sort of age? Yeah, look, my family's heritage um, on my mother's side was Austrian. So we had a sort of a lot of that style of food, like uh, my grandparents were, were really sort of connected to that culture. And so we had a lot of things like strudels and schnitzels and, and we used to eat a lot of a lot of meat, a lot of fats, a lot of carbohydrates. Like I just was eating your classic kind of Aussie kid in the 80s slash 90s diet. It was like bowls of cereal for breakfast. It was, you know, ham and cheese sandwiches for lunch, packets of chips. I don't think we, we had a great deal of fruit, but fruit was always around. My, my family were endeavoring to be healthy, I guess. My mum was always endeavoring to be healthy, but we made a lot of jams and a lot of sugar and a lot of desserts. I don't know, we used to have a lot of desserts. We always had ice cream every night. Our meals were really centered around just the, the Western diet, like as we know it today. And it just was really normal at that stage. It seemed like a really normal way to eat. And I had my favorites. I loved all the usual stuff, pizza, pasta, lots of steaks. You know, we, we used to eat all those foods and I just sort of thought, yeah, this is, you know, the food that's going to nourish a growing boy. And, and that's how we ate. And was there much salad, you know, spinach, brown rice, quinoa were these were these within that diet i don't even know what quinoa was back in those days um we used to have a bit of we used to have a bit of rice it wasn't really our the cultural food we had we had a we used to have a lot of potatoes and not salad yeah we used to eat salads but i was i was a bit of a salad dodger as they used to call them i was a salad dodger didn't sort of see the value of salad i was just like just give me more meat you know i want to grow up and be big and strong and i need to eat this stuff and so a lot of dairy, man, I used to eat a lot of dairy. Like I used to, I used to have like 14 wheat bix with a bowl of milk. The, and The wheat bix challenge. And yeah, I don't know, I was, how many do you do sort of thing? I used to, and then I'd cover them in Milo and cover them in sugar and cream. And I used to come home and make packets of mac and cheese. And yeah, I was just always eating, man. I mean, eating those foods as a kid that's growing up, it, they, they certainly would you know, help you stack on the weight. So that was probably reinforcing in your mind that, yes, this is how I need to keep fueling myself to be a strong plumber. And also, you know, within the gym, you're surrounded by everyone who is also sort of bro science pushing that kind of diet. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I mean, where do you, when you're a sort of young guy, 18, 19, where do you, where are you getting your nutritional advice from? You know, you don't really ask your parents. I was, you know, getting it from fitness magazines and, you know, I was watching pumping iron and, you know, oh, what's Arnie eating? You know, that's, that's, that's kind of how I was thinking about it all. I just, you know, I had this real sort of alpha dog mentality about, you know, eat them, eat the, those foods. And, but at the same time, like I look back now, I really wasn't that healthy. There was lots of health sort of markers and metrics that I was just like really ignoring, and especially like as a kid, like I had crazy like hyperactivity problems as a kid. And I also had like this battery of allergies. I had so many allergies, everything. Like my mom was constantly taking me to all these doctors and I was always in the, in the chiropractic clinic getting things fixed up. And, and I had like, I used to get hives and I had asthma, childhood asthma. 
like I just had all these sort of inflammatory issues going on and I'd never connected. Like I don't think any of us really connected that it was possibly something to do with refined sugar and, and, and meat and dairy and, and hormonally active foods. Like we never even, wasn't even thought about. I mean, did you, was it sort of just an unsaid thing that that was your genetics? That was the card you were dealt? Is that what, like, if you're saying it, you didn't think it was nutrition, what did you think it was from? I guess that's what we did think. And it was kind of like a mystery because like I was just constantly having all these, these problems and it's like, what's causing it? You know, I was so active and healthy and I looked healthy, but just when you've got allergies, like how do you treat them? We were going to all these sort of alternative health places and Chinese, Chinese herbs and more therapy. And I was just, we, we were trying all this different thing and we just didn't understand it. We thought, oh, it must just be who I am. It must just be, you know, what's going on. I'm just one of those intolerant people who's got intolerances and, and yeah, it was a bit of a, you know, scratch the head and move on kind of thing. I mean, you just, you just mentioned the, this sort of Arnie type of bro science diet. I think it's, it's important for us to note that the, the reason that that diet is perhaps very popular in for, for you know impressionable teenagers and people that just start off in the gym is that it is a diet that is conducive to putting on size. There's no one's arguing that. But I think what we'll touch on later is the fact that it probably isn't ticking all of the boxes when it comes to eating for longevity and pure health. Yeah, well, if you're going to the gym and the only sort of metric that you're measuring is how many pumps you're getting or how heavy you can lift or, you know, how many centimeters you can put onto your bicep. If you, if that's your only, your only measure of success, well then yeah, you're one successful guy if you're eating nothing but chicken and broccoli and, you know, sculling down liters of chocolate milk, like, and eating whey protein shakes, like they, that they have a, a job to do. There's a purpose to them. It's to make you grow, you know? And if that's your only goal, and as a young man, like I think you'd find a lot of people would be like, yeah, that's my only goal. I want to get bigger. I want to get stronger, like people that are into that kind of lifestyle. And so, you know, they, they serve that purpose. You don't really necessarily correlate what they're doing to your body in other areas until maybe you get a bit older or maybe you start to, to you know, have, a, have a, something that might happen with your health or something might happen in your life as it did in mine, which we'll get to, that might cause you to start thinking, well, hang on, I need to have a look at what I'm doing here. So for you personally, when did you start to think about, hey, I might need to look at how I'm fueling my body and, and when, when and how did those changes sort of take place? Okay, so I don't like when I get the violin out or anything here, but I guess when I was 25, like all was just going along well and then in our family we had a really – tragic thing that happened my mother just basically and I was at work and she was like oh hey hey Jeremy it's um it's mum here don't want you to worry but just had a bit of a funny feeling this morning when I woke up and I've, I've actually gone to hospital but I just think it's I think I've got a sort of pinched nerve in my neck so it's all good I just wanted to let you know that you know I'm at hospital and like you know that's all and I was like mum like you know I'm gonna come see you like you're freaking me out she'd never been like she'd never really I'd never seen her as a sick scary. before or anything. It was scary. And I was like, well, you know, I, I love you, mum. Like, I love you. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just, just, you know, I just wanted to let you know. Anyway, that's the last time I ever spoke to her. She had a, an aneurysm in her brain and she just like blacked out, never woke up. 
So sad. I know. It was, it was extremely tragic. She was 51, I believe she was 51, and she had so much of her life ahead of her. It was insane. Like we'd all just sort of moved out of home. Her and, her and my father are just sort of about to start plotting that post, you know, children, child life. They, had, they were booked to go to Niagara Falls and it just ripped a hole in our family. Shattering. It was unbelievable. And an aneurysm, like a brain aneurysm, it's something that just, she'd never had a single issue in that regard that I knew about. This is the first time it ever happened, just, you know, lights out. In the, in the follow-up after that, that was obviously really hard. But in the follow-up sort of after that, the doctor said to us kids, well, you better all go get brain scans because, you know, you might have a, something up there in, your, in, your, in my brain or my brother and sister as well. And yeah, there could be a genetic predisposition or some sort of anomaly in there. And so like I was getting, you know, MRIs and stuff on my brain and I started to, I was forced to kind of think maybe there's something going on here with that, that I could be contributing to because it's not normal for someone to die at 50. And she was a really healthy, active woman. Like she used to walk to work and she was out in the garden pruning the roses when she actually had her aneurysm. It was like for, for all intents and purposes in the Western world, she was doing everything right. Yeah. Like she wasn't, she wasn't, she was overweight. Like she was probably marginally on the, on the overweight, just very healthy though. Like not obese or anything. She was a little bit overweight, but um, really vital, healthy, happy woman. And to just have that happen, it was insane. And I just thought, you know, what's caused this? What could I be doing? And so I started to become a bit more aware of health because at this stage, like I'd, I'd stacked on, I was up to 105 kilos. Like, you know, my, my current weight's around sort of 80, 82. You're about six foot. Yeah, I'm exactly six, six foot. foot. So six yeah. foot even. And I was up to 105 kilos and like I had a lot of muscle. I was like, you know, I was deadlifting over 200 and I was, I was um, in the gym. I was really, really pushing hard, squatting and deadlifting and and still all that. eating the same. Yeah, same and still thing. eating the same. Like I, and, and big quantities. Like I'd eat, I'd eat like a whole chicken just for lunch. And then I'd go home and eat like two, three or 400 gram steaks. Like we're talking about huge quantities of this sort of stuff. I, a standard breakfast for me in those days would be eight scrambled eggs, like four ashes of bacon and two chorizos with a bulletproof coffee. Crazy. I mean, I, and, I, I can relate similarly to that, but I, I know of friends and it almost becomes like a challenge between some of these guys in the gym is like yeah. eating a whole chicken. And, and it's such a, it's such an, like I said, it's such an apex predator alpha way to live. Cause they're like, it's just, you just think that everyone goes, Oh, big Jezza, you know, he can eat 10 sausages. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's like, you sort of think, yeah, yeah. I'm the, I'm the guy who eats all the meat, you know, I'm the, beast and it sort of like plays into your self-esteem and ego to a sense because you're sort of like yeah I've been, i can eat incredible amounts of of food um but then when that happened to my mother and then i started then yeah the, the covers kind of came off the the truth about her health she had had like hypertension for quite a long time and she'd also had like really high blood pressure and she was actually had just recently gone to a statin so, so she had cholesterol. She had cholesterol problems, and I didn't really think of that. But we were eating a really fatty and meat meat filled diet. So I started to think, man, cholesterol that's that could be a problem here. And so I started to do some research, and I thought, right, it's time for me to 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 change up the the way that I'm eating because just like eating pizzas and things like this. Do you remember where you first went? Like, how did you start that research? What did you jump on Google or? 
I wanted to, I wanted to find like the, the latest information, right? So I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know all about fruit and vegetables, like, you know, but I've got, I've got gains that, you know, they have needs. So I was just like, I need to, you know, eat meat and protein because I want to keep being like strong and I can't afford to lose my, my strength, especially for work. And so I started to look into what other people were doing. And I looked at CrossFit because CrossFit was there, like, you know, it was just emerging CrossFit and they were kind of like the athletes and they still are. And so I was like, what are they eating? And well, they're all paleo. They're all eating paleo pretty much. Or a lot of them are or ketogenic. And so I started looking into that. And, you know, once you start looking into that, like looking into paleo and, and ketogenics, it just made a lot of sense to me. I was just like, oh, of course, you know, and you start to read all about the cholesterol and how we've all been wrong about cholesterol and cholesterol is not the problem. And, and, and insulin is the enemy. And so I was just eating up all of that information. And I was just thought I don't, I was onto something here. And so what I did was I thought I'm going to go, this is how I'm going to fix my issue with having, you know, possibly having cholesterol problems. I'm going to go ketogenic, right? Cause I thought this is the answer. What year, what year was this just to, this is about 2012. Okay. Um, maybe even, yeah, my about 2012. Yeah. And so I was just eating nothing but bacon, eggs, and then I was having like, you know, spinach, a bit of spinach, maybe just like a little bit of greens and a little bit of sauerkraut because that's sort of how you, how you do it. And lots of nuts and all the classic paleo food. And I lost like 15 kilos in about three or four months. And I was just like, that's it. I have found the fountain of youth. Like I'm on the path, you know, I've lost 15 kilos. This is great. Got really ripped down. What do you put the weight loss to like a calorie you were in more well, of a calorie deficit or what? Like- I was eating a lot of processed food before that a yep. lot of just, and a lot of refined carbs and that sort of stuff. And obviously going basically completely carb free. And, and even though I was eating paleo, it was mainly whole food. So if you, if, you, if you consider meat to be a whole food, but I was eating mainly just eggs, bacon, steak, chicken, and then just a little bit of low calorie, low carbohydrate veggies. So I was, was dead against potato, dead against breads of any kind, dead against rice, didn't touch any of that stuff. And I had lots of nuts. Like I, I, was, I basically just was getting all of Pete Evans' books and just making all the food from them and from like I read a whole bunch of paleo books and I was just, I was the biggest paleo advocate. Like I was going around telling everyone and everyone was going, what have you done, Jezza? You have lost 15 kilos. And I, was, I got really strong on that diet too. Like because it's a lot of meat, you know, it's, it's a pretty, a lot of fat. Like it's a pretty optimal way to perform if you've got all that sort of stuff coursing through your body. They always say it's like work, it's like living on rocket fuel, you know, and I saw, that's how I felt. I was like, man, that's, I can't believe the, the mental sort of strength I have and just the clearness and the power and, and the gym and the reps and it just, all the things that they, that they said would happen, they did happen. And I think just quickly jumping in here before we go through, you know, how, how that progressed further and, and your blood test results and things like that, yep. that and I've spoken about it before, that health is such a spectrum that if you do move from a diet that's in very, very high processed foods and you jump over to a paleo diet where it is whole food based, the majority of people do feel significantly better immediately. And that's that's definitely why we hear so many people that are on a paleo diet that they do feel better. Yeah, you um, 
it is a it is quite a clean in a sense if you don't if you don't have any conscious sort of awareness of of what what the bad things in meats are and fats and that sort of thing it is quite a clean way to eat like they don't eat processed food they don't and i mean if you if you cut out a whole food group you cut out carbohydrates altogether then you are restricting calories to a certain extent because there's only so much sort of meat and fat that you can have and and so i think I was, it was down to calorie loss i also became quite a bit more active um, on it because I just was feeling quite, quite strong. And I mean, a lot of the claims that they make about those diets are, you know, I do think that they're actually true. They do make you perform in an optimal way for a period of time. The thing that I, like you said, health is a spectrum. I wasn't looking at the full spectrum. I was convinced that I was on the right track and I was just anything that didn't support that position, I just Mark. ignored. So if there was, I, there was things that were creeping in to my life at that time that I just thought, they can't be a diet related. That's just something else. Like I'll, I'll go through some of the things that, that we were, that I did notice that it took me a while to accept that they would be in my diet. And to be able to, well, I had, I had high cholesterol. I hadn't, didn't have it checked, but I knew it must've been extremely high. I was getting this thing where I was, eating ketogenically. And then if I ever had carbs for any reason, so if I decided, oh, I just want to have dessert this one time, or I'm just going to have pizza, or if someone invited me for dinner and I end up having carbs, within an hour of eating them, I was like violently ill. I would be like on the way home from, my wife can attest to this, we'd be driving home from dinner and I would have to pull over the car and I would be laying like in the gutter vomiting with just chronically ill, just from having a couple of carbs. And I was like, you know, what did I think? Of course, I thought, oh, the carbs, it's the carbs. They've carbs got the me. Enemy. The carbs have got me. I just need to be more ketogenic. My wife is eating carbs the whole time, just shaking her head, rolling her eyes at me like, you're crazy. <laughs> she was, she's never sort of bought into it. She's a very smart woman. But I had massive anxiety problems. Like I used to, um, if anything at work sort of happened, that kind of tipped me a little bit sort of you know, surprised me or maybe a bit angry, I would just get violently angry, like really angry. And I'd be really anxious. And like, you know, people are always like, why are you so grumpy? Like, and I'd have to go on. Is that a change in character? Like, so before you'd gone to this paleo diet? Well, I didn't really notice it at the time, but I don't know if I've always been angry. I might've been, I don't think I have been, but people were like, people were like, they thought I was on steroids or something. Cause they were like, this guy's roid raging. He's out of control. Like, but and then I have to go and sit in my plumbing van and like literally just like breathe for like 10, 15 minutes just to calm down. I'd be shaking like a leaf, like these huge surges of anxiety. And I was just like, I've never had these problems before. Like what's going on? But that was weird. And the worst thing, I don't really want to go into this too much, but the worst thing about it all was my digestion was unbelievably bad. Like we didn't want to disgust anyone who might be eating, but like I was having such bad like reflux and I was going to the toilet like once every five to seven days. So you're blocked up. For, a, for a, like a bowel movement, like a number two. I was doing one like once a week. That is not good. Like <laughs> You can't spin that anyway. That's and, not and healthy. You, you, you knew you were sort of conscious enough that, hang on, these things are happening, but I love the fact that I've dropped some weight. I'm feeling mm. really good in the gym. So let's just, let's just kick on and I'll push kick through. On. And it wasn't only that, like... I had been propagating it to so many people. I'd been trying to tell everyone else to do it. And lots of people were asking me. 
And I was like the biggest advocate of it. I was just like, you've all got to do this. You've got to ditch the carbs. Like you've got to eat nothing but, but fats. You know, I was all over telling everyone and I was reading as much literature as I can, but like they don't ever mention, I just couldn't find anyone mentioning the problems I was having. I was like, why is no one speaking about the fact that like not digesting and I'm completely congested and, and I've got like no transit time through my colon. Like that's, that's not healthy. I was eating meal after meal after meal after meal. And it's like, where's it going? <laughs> like my body's not using it all. Like seriously, where's it going? So, and it was, it was not good. I was lots of things that were going on. And did you get some blood test results during that? I didn't get any blood tests then. Cause I was like, I don't need them. You know, doctors are, doctors are the enemy. What do they tell me? I don't believe any of the science. I was just like, I was became, I mean, I'm anti-establishment at the best of times, but I was just like, what can they offer me? Like I've, I'm above the, 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 the healthcare system. Like the whole paleo movement is all like, oh, doctors are the, doctors are, you know, they're to treat sick people. They're not, they're not, you know, at the cutting edge like we are. We know something that they don't, you know, they, they cast it out that way. And I was, I'd bought into that. Like you sort of, you become so rusted onto it and it becomes sort of part of your identity where you just kind of, I'm above the whole medical industry because I've hacked my body and I, this is the cutting edge. And it, it almost, you almost look down with contempt upon traditional, traditional sort of medicine and, and traditional advice. So when this, you know, the hell, when the cancer council saying, I'll oh, eat this, eat this, you're just like, oh, what do they know? You know, or when, the, when you have a, a, an article come out saying, oh, it turns out that beans are really good for you or, or whole grains are good for this. You just like, oh, can't you shake your head and face palm? I can't believe they don't. They still, I used to like write messages. I used to ring up radio stations and rant when they were talking about saturated fat being bad for you. Like I was, I was so committed. It's embarrassing. Now. And then when did you sort of, I guess, have the humility or the, when did you drop your guard down and let yourself be vulnerable and go, maybe I need to relook at my framework? Yeah. Well, that's what you said there is exactly right. It's like, you get so, it becomes such a part of your identity that you are, you are scared that if you lift the veil and say, maybe I'm wrong, all of a sudden you sort of think, oh, what if I am? Like, wow, I've told all these people, I've, I've, I've been the paleo guy, you know, and it's going to be this massive serve of humble pie and you, you just, your ego is just like, don't do it. Like you, you look like an absolute idiot and not even like an idiot, but also look like just a person who's just being tossed about by the, every single different ideology. And you don't want to be this guy's constantly changing, you know, because to, to admit that you were, were wrong. But when did I start doing that? There was a few things that, that sort of made me sort of prick my ears up. What the health documentary? I, I don't necessarily agree with everything that happened in that documentary. It was quite inflammatory and quite aggressive. <laughs> yeah. But, um, it did definitely cut through. Cause like, I would say that my, my heart was like soil that was very, very hard to penetrate. And that was like a seed that was planted. And I was Gave like, you some, oh. some reason to go away and go, Hey, I'm or at least, more. at least think maybe there's another, another way. Like maybe I'm missing something here. And like I said, I'd finally started to sort of to step out of myself and look back down on my, my body and go, well, there's lots of things that aren't optimal and aren't ideal. Like you've got lots of things that are working out great, but there's lots of things that aren't. And you need to enter them into the, the metric, enter them into the, the system and think, is there a way that I can fix those problems? Because that's health. And then I went and got a blood test in, I think, 
January. So it must have been just not long after we met. Well, I had a blood test before that. I just went at the chemist one day and she was like, whoa, your cholesterol is like high. So this was and before was, you'd made any real change to Yeah, diet. yeah. This was before. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's high. But, you know, cholesterol isn't the enemy. There's no such thing as bad cholesterol. Cholesterol is like, you know, your brain's made of cholesterol. Cholesterol is just the, you know, I was, I was best friends with cholesterol back is then. That, is that a message that the paleo community push? or Well, they say that LDL cholesterol is not bad and that there's no such thing as bad cholesterol. Like, it's like they say, oh, it's just... It's at the scene of the crime, but it didn't commit it. It's, it's correlation, not causation. That's the whole cholesterol myth, they call it, cholesterol myth. I'm not an expert on it all, so there's probably someone that's be better at that. But they don't, you don't worry if you have high cholesterol. And my HDL was really high. Like my HDL was like, you know, 2.5, which is 100 and, and the old numbers, 100, 125, something like that. So it's a pretty good number. And my, my LDL was like 200. Like it was high, but I was like, hmm, that's a bit of a concern. But, and then I was, had in the back of my mind, I had that thing with my mum having high cholesterol and being on a statin and, you know, having a, a stroke for all intensive purposes in her 50s. And so then I was definitely, when I met you, I was definitely receptive, almost ready, almost ready, I would say, just to, to and I had looked into it, but I'd never really had the, the courage, I guess, to just go, I'm going to swallow my pride and try something different. And I had a lot of views about vegans yeah. before that too. Like I was kind of, you know. <laughs> Lucky I didn't let on on the first night that I was a vegan or the V word didn't come into our conversation. Well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have said anything to you because you're a legend and a really nice guy. But I had made like fun of a lot of vegans in the past. Like I had, I'd been in violent arguments with them online, like just, People that I knew, what, what I looked down think, on them so much. What did you think? Like, as as a someone who'd gone through the bro time, the bro sort of diet, you'd then you know gone into this hardcore paleo diet. You were you were an ambassador, almost. It sounds like for your community, you were a voice for the paleo community. For you, I think friends. I turned a lot of people uh, paleo back. What, then. what what did you? If you were going to describe a vegan back then, how would you have done that? I thought that they were all just victims of an ideology. They were all part of a cult. I was like, vegans have just, they've drank the Kool-Aid. They've, they've, you know, they've just believed what they've been told. They haven't looked at the science. They, they're not living optimally. Like they're all going to be deficient. They're going to be weak. Like that's just how I, I feel horrible saying that now, but that's just how I used to feel about, and I used to just, People would tell me they're vegan and I just would shake my head and be like, oh, you'll see, you'll eventually see, like, you know, you it's not the way to thrive. And then I actually, like, obviously I'm vegan now, but I've actually gone back and apologized to so many people. I've made a point as part of sort of my journey of, you know, towards being compassionate to actually go and apologize to them and say, look, I was so wrong. <laughs> you were so right. But that's obviously how I feel now. But. So, so December, you'd done a, a blood test. Yeah. The cholesterol was high. Then, then. So what happened was you met me. You must have, I don't know why you did, but you must have thought that there was something about me that you thought this guy could be receptive. Because what you just sent me a link to a vegan documentary, vegan 2017, I think it was. And you were like, hey, Jezza, watch this. That's all you did. And I watched it and I have not eaten meat since. 
I don't know why. I was just on that bubble. Like I was right on the knife edge of which way. Of, and then you just tipped me over. So like I sort of have a great deal of respect for you. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of going giving you the credit. I, th- I think I saw what, like from, from my perspective, I think I, obviously where we had a really good conversation about health and your family and stuff, it wasn't even, it wasn't anything deep. We weren't talking about health issues or anything like that, but I knew, especially from your calisthenics that you were passionate about health. And I probably had seen that you were cooking meals that were heavy in meat. So I would have just thought, you know, this, this documentary might be a nice palatable way for, for him to see that adding some more plants might be healthy. Well, uh, as you know me now, I'm very, um, I thought I was very researched, very well read in nutrition, but I'd only been reading what I wanted to read. I'd only been reading what fed into my pre-existing beliefs, right? So it was just, it was almost like, I don't know if it's called confirmation bias, but I was trying to reinforce my existing beliefs, which at that time were you know, paleo. And so I'd only read the, the data on, on that. And then you sort of opened me up to like, well, maybe there's, maybe you should read both sides because there's another whole world of, of, of nutritional information out there, which you're not looking at. And I'd never looked at it. Right. And I just, I just took off when I started looking at that. I I start, yeah. <laughs> I just started <laughs> listening to I listen to like maybe I'd say I've listened to over a thousand hours of podcasts and I've, I've read like 20 books. I've bought every book I can think of and watched so many documentaries and read so many scientific articles. And it's just, it's opened my mind up so much. Sounds like I was fortunate in terms of timing of where you were in your own space, because had I sent you the vegan 2017 documentary six months earlier, I may have been victim of a few jokes and <laughs> you, might, you might not have turned it on. Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't have been receptive to it. And um, there's that saying like, be the, be the vegan that you would have wanted to meet, you know, before you turned vegan. And I think you were that vegan <laughs> or that plant-based person for me because, yeah, you didn't try to get into an argument with me. You didn't try to, you didn't say anything. You didn't even say, oh, you know, have you thought about you know, what that's doing. Like I, I, when I first went vegan, when I first started eating plant-based, I, I was doing that a lot to people. Yeah. My friends will attest, like oh, people will be eating something. I'd be like, that'll kill you, you know, or, oh, you know, you won't catch me eating that. You know, it's just, it's such a sort of horrible thing to do to say. It's just, it's not, it doesn't serve anyone. So doesn't, I think no. it's hard. It's been a while though, because when you're a freshly minted. And, you, and, sort of, and you're, you're super excited about it. Know, it's, so, it's like this new, you've opened up Pandora's box. You've got all mm. this new information. You're so excited and you want to share it. And I think every person who sort of, you know, transitions to a plant-based diet and is doing a lot of reading, they, they tend to be a little bit overexcited and that, that can result in coming off as if you're trying to be a know-it-all. Yeah. Which, which everyone, I can put my hand up as well. And, you know, the longer, the more conversations you have with people, the better you get at just sitting back and waiting for the people when they want information and they come to you, mm. which, you know, no doubt you eventually did start asking me questions. And that's probably where Vegan 2017 came up. But I want to come into how, how you transitioned into the diet. So once you'd sort of made up that, you'd watched a documentary, I want to, understand 
what the what were the challenges? What were the hardest part? You've got a family. You've got so you know your husband, you've got a loving wife Jess. You've got two kids, six and three. Another one on the way. Yeah, what, I've been what, busy. <laughs> you've been you're a busy guy. You're a full time plumber. On the time you're watching, listening to thousands of hours of podcasts, you're listening to a documentary. How did you change the way you were eating and your family was eating? Okay, so I remember. I think just sensed that something was weird was coming up. And then I just one day said to her in January, like it was actually really hard for me to, to, to even say to her, like, I think I did it secretly for a bit, for a week or two. I was like, no, I need to, 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 to come out and just do this. And so I came home and I said to Jess, um, so Jess, um, I'm thinking about possibly maybe considering possibly going vegan. And I remember she was just like, oh, here we go. Like you just, were just, you're, you know, you're constantly changing. Like she wasn't against it. But then I was just like, no, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go vegan. And she's like, well, you need, you can cut, you can cook all your own meals. Cause I'm not taking the whole family vegan. And I was like, no, no, I never expected you to do that. Like I'll do it on my own, you know? So I, I, I prepared all of my own meals, but Jess was really supportive. Like she would make extra sides. She would, she would make, you know, meals. I'd make a lot of the meals and I'm like, you know, Jess, actually really likes vegetarian food. She never really liked meat at all. And she was like, oh, getting rid of meat, not a problem. Like, and that was, that was good because we just stopped eating meat. And my kids were, were very young. Like they didn't really have a connection to or for or against meat. They just ate it because it was on their plate. And it just wasn't on their plate anymore. But we would, would put other things on their plate that would kind of be part of a balanced meal. So their meals would, rather than having a piece of steak or a piece of chicken, they'd have a piece of tempeh or like a, you know, that would be beans in the mixture or, you know, we just would, our meals are simple. Like I, obviously I'd, I'd had a connection to whole food before this. So it wasn't like we were taking out of our diet, like heaps of processed food and that, that the kids weren't addicted to sugar and, and processed foods. So our meals were all sort of based around vegetables and salads. And then we just changed our protein source yeah. basically. And I just started drinking almond milk and soy milk. You know, I was making my own. I was buying it. I never really had a problem with it. I think I never remember back in the nineties, soy milk was kind of this sticky, weird sort of alien drink, and and now it's just so much. It's come Smooth. so far. Yeah, like I really like soy milk now. So it was just a case of making a few changes at the supermarket. You know, we actually saved a lot of money when we did it. Like that, that might be useful. People don't think That's that. Surprising, I think. But if you, if you're if you are shopping around the outside of the supermarket and not heading into the processed aisles that much, and if you're avoiding the meat section and the dairy section and the eggs, like meat is expensive. Meat's like $15 a kilo for the cheapest meat. And if you were eating like grass fed scotch fillets and stuff like I was, it's $40 a kilo. Like if you're not buying meat and you're just buying like raw beans, like dried beans and even canned. And, and tempeh and all these things and vegetables, chickpeas, that is really cheap way to eat. Like our, our grocery bill like halved. Sometimes we, we, we can complicate, you know, plant-based yeah. food and, yeah. and we see on social media, certainly you can, you know, create amazingly complex plant-based dishes, but it doesn't need to be, and to, to be healthy, it doesn't need to be complicated. I think people think that you have to, to, when you go vegan, you have to eat the same things you were before. It just has to be vegan. And so everyone thinks, oh, okay, well, now I'm going to have to have fake meat rather than real meat. And everyone goes, oh, you're better off eating the real meat than the fake meat. You know, and that's, uh, and same with cheeses. And, but like, I didn't go, I wasn't that type of a vegan. Like, we, 
we went to whole foods. Like we just, we were eating fruit and veg, eating a lot more than usual. Like just once you don't have a fear of carbs anymore, it just opens up huge avenues of what you can eat. You know, and I was obviously off the fats. I went and got a, a blood test in when I first started. You told me to go and get a blood test. You know, test it out. It's a bit of a base. Test it out. So, you know, don't don't believe what I've told you. And like you gotta understand, I don't really believe anything that any scientist or any dietitian or anyone tells me about skeptic anything anymore. I am very skeptical now, especially now. Which like, is great though. We spoke about that yesterday. It's, 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 it's like a healthy skepticism. Yeah, it's nice for people to be skeptical because they're less likely to keep jumping around. They're more likely to make a, a hard decision which they can stick to. Yeah, well, after the experience of kind of realizing that maybe I'd been wrong about my diet, done a whole lot of damage to myself for years leading up to you know, the last 12 months. It's kind of like finding the truth in the nutrition and science world. Is, it's like a maze. There's dead ends everywhere. Like, and you can go off down rabbit holes. Science, science to a certain extent is like for sale. Any person can commission any study and, and tweak it in a certain way and change the, like I think of heaps of examples, but they can, they can manipulate the data to make some things. And unless you really look at the integrity of it, the length of it, the number of the size of people in it, you know, the controls. And it's even, nutrition's a really hard thing to do science on as well because, you know, we aren't, we aren't talking about individual nutrients and things here because you can test an individual nutrient, but in a, in a whole food, packaged in a whole food, it, it'll have a different effect. So many variables. There's so many variables. And so I was just like, where can I get some hard data? Like, where can I get something I can actually rely on? And the only place that I was could really do that within myself is to do experimentation on myself, read something, say, see what it's meant to do, and then see if it happens. And it's kind of a bit of a long road because you've got to, for years now I've been doing it, but I got blood, blood tests done. I got DEXA scans done. So like full body scans. So this is pretty much at the start. This like, is right at the start. Right. When you're like, Hey, I'm going to implement this. Let's go get some tests, get a baseline. Yeah. And also at that point, I would say I was in like this probationary period where I was like, this, if I go and get some blood tests done in, in three months' time or, and, and I don't see what I'm expecting to see or what I've been told I'm going to see, then I'm going to can this as well. Back to the drawing board. Yeah, because I wasn't just like, I didn't buy into veganism. I didn't, mm. I didn't, I didn't join the cult. You know, yeah, I was yeah. just like. And the motivation was health. It was seeking. Absolutely health. health. Like I never had really given much thought to the other avenues or the other issues around veganism, like animal ethics and the environmental sustainability of um, the agriculture and those things. I, I didn't care at all about those things, unfortunately, at that time. It was just health, you know? So I got the blood tests done. I, I obviously knew what I was capable of in my workouts and I kept the journal because of just for my mind, just to sort of measure sort of my, my anxiety and, and sort of depression and things like that. And, and when I got, I did it for, you know, three solid months. I was also doing like some intermittent fasting and a few other little things in there as well. And when I got my blood tests back three months later, boom, I'd, my cholesterol had gone from, it was like 275, which is like a huge number. It's not good. It had gone down to like under 200 or it was right around 200 and only three months. And, you know, that was three months ago. And I need to go and check it again, but I'm hoping it's still falling, falling, falling because and my HDL didn't change, which is great because HDL was the, in inverted commas, good cholesterol. 
you know, and that's tied to your exercise and stuff. So that hadn't changed, which was good. I hadn't had any deficiencies in anything. My iron was the same. And one of the most amazing things that came out of the DEXA scans, which is like, it's like a full body scan that measures like, you know, bone, muscle, fat, all those tissues. My, I'd lost, I lost four and a half kilos of fat, but I'd gained like three and a half kilos of muscle. So I'd like the net, the net loss and gain was like, I'd put on muscle and lost fat. I hadn't lost muscle, which was one of my biggest fears. Right. So I, you know, I had a pretty serious muscle mass that I needed to maintain. And, you know, it's hard for, a, especially for a guy like me to think that you're going to get it from chickpeas and beans. Like it just, it's just so, and I read all of Garth Davis's books about protein and how maybe we're all having way too much. And I went from having 200 grams of protein a day to having like 80 or a hundred. And I did not lose any muscle at all. <laughs> and that's just, that blew my mind. And, like, and what, just, just to sort of put this into context, what body fat percentage were you sitting at? Sort of? Well, when I started, I was at 10, you know, which is still very lean. And I, I, was, I think it was 10.5. And after three months, I was down to like 8.5 or something. I can't remember now, but it was like below eight or below, below nine. Like, and it was not even what I, where, I, where I lost it. I lost it in places I'd never, ever been able to shift muscle. I'd shift fat. So my, my trunk, around my lower back, off my legs. Stubborn areas. Yeah, just these are the genetic areas that I could not lose fat from. And they were, it was just burning it up. And I was just like, this is amazing. Like, and the freakiest thing of the whole thing was like my bone density went up. Like I, I've been getting DEXA scans every, two, every year. And I, in three months, wiped off two years of bone density loss. And I was just like, what is going on here? Because I wasn't eating dairy. What were the doctors saying? When they he just that? couldn't believe it. He was just like, what is going on? He was like, he, I think he even said, well, you must be eating a lot, drinking a lot of milk. Your um, bone density is through the roof. I was just <laughs> kind of like, actually. well, actually, I've stopped drinking milk. And I've got my theories as to why that happened, but. I was well, what are those series? I know, I know this isn't a, a real science, um, science discussion, but, but based on my reading, based on what I've read, this is my understanding of why that happened. When you drink milk, milk is um, acidic. The pro- tro- protein in the milk is acidic. And so you have, your body has to have a homeostatic response in order to balance out the acidity of not only dairy, but also milk, also meat, which is acidic. And so your body goes looking for calcium, not calcium, but it's looking for alkalinity in order to balance out the homeostasis and bring your pH back to normal. So where does your body find alkalinity from? It leaches it from your bones. So the calcium from your bones leaches out because calcium is alkaline. And so to balance out the, like, the lack of acidity, well, you, you're, you're ingesting all that acidity, acidity and then to balance it, your body leaches from your bones. So that's why I, I, my bone mass had been lowering it's got a lot to do with exercise too, but my exercise didn't change at all throughout this whole experience. I didn't start working out harder. This is just purely a diet change. And so once you remove that acidity from your body and you start living a more of an alkaline life, then your bones just thrive. And there's so much calcium in a plant-based diet. Yeah. Like I was, so there's less reason for the body to go, hey, let's strip It's out not that I was calcium. having more calcium. Yeah. It was that I was just using, you know, catabolizing less. And my calcium, I think, over my blood tests remained pretty much exactly the same, along with like all my other things that I was worried about, iron, folate, hemoglobin, 
And were you were you supplementing anything? What like after you'd done your initial research, did you was there any supplements that you thought, oh, okay, I better I better take this along with my foods? I took B12. Obviously, it's just took like a B12 tablet. I was pretty lazy with that. I was probably taking like one every couple of days. Just a basic, simple, like a spray or a, or a tablet. Cyanocobalamin, yes, whatever it is. So that that was pretty much all. And I didn't even bother with omegas because I was having like, I was having like lots of seeds, black seeds, yeah. flax meal, um, chia, hemp seeds. They were all sort of part of my diet. I, I built a, a sort of a diet based on what I, you know, it was kind of based around the sort of Michael Greger daily dozen nutritionfacts.org sort of what the things you should eat. It's like, you know, beans. Checklist. Yeah, like beans, greens, grains. Cruciferous vegetables. Yeah, cruciferous vegetables. And then you got you got your, your nuts and your seeds, you know, in, in pretty small quantities because I was trying to keep my fats like really low. I just wanted to, because I had so much fat over the years, I was kind of like, well, I'm going to go the opposite and have like hardly any. It's only a little bit of fat. You still get that from whole food. Yeah. But I wasn't like slamming avocados or anything. I just was cutting the fats right back just to, to get to hit your your sort of daily quota of omega threes. It's it's like if you have two teaspoons of uh two tablespoons of chia seeds, yeah, one tablespoon of flax seeds, and you've hit your quota for the day. Pretty much have. And I was Easy. I was also eating like walnuts and I was eating lots of that sort of stuff. Like because I, I didn't just I didn't just make up a, a vegan diet based on, you know what I thought vegans eat, I was like, no, I want to create like a really good vegan diet. Because vegan is not a health term. Not at all. Vegan is not a health term. It's people always go, oh, I'm vegan, so I'm healthy. Mm, and, I don't and, agree with that. And with the, the increase in products becoming available on the market and, you know, companies, you know, taking advantage of a move towards eating less animal products, there's more and more unhealthy vegan products popping up every week, which... Uh, increase the potential for someone to adopt a really unhealthy mm. vegan process. I'm kind of sympathetic diet. to these people that don't agree with veganism that go, oh, why would you want to eat this processed junk? You know, vegans are nothing but propagating for processed food industry. It's just like, yeah, that's it's not what all vegans are doing, but just because things vegan doesn't. I, I think healthy. this is like the, the big differentiating point here is that you're living a whole food plant-based diet inadvertently that falls underneath a greater umbrella, which the society describes as vegan veganism. I think sometimes we, we like to gravitate towards a tribe or we, we like to, we need that kinship. And the word, the word vegan has been around for a very long time and it's not always a positive thing. And I, I don't consider myself to be vegan. I'm not vegan. It's like saying, are you bald? It's like, well, technically I am, you know, basically bald, but it's because I choose to cut my hair off. Like it's not who I am. It's just what I happen to be. And, you know, as far as who am I, well, I'm a person who's conscious of my health. I have what I consider to be a well-rounded understanding of chronic disease and the nutritional science that goes with it. Um, I am a person who cares about animal ethics and the environmental, the environment, I care about those things now. And as a result, I mean, as a result of all those things, that's why I eat vegan. It's not, that's not why I am vegan. So I choose to eat vegan. That's who I am is the person who cares about those things and veganism plays into that. It aligns with it. And yeah, whole food plant-based is how I would describe how I eat because you can't really, you can't really go wrong if you if you eat whole food plant-based, what's the worst thing you can eat? Like you can just slam 
nuts all day, that necessarily wouldn't be healthy. Or you could just be popping, eating dates all day. But if you're eating a variety of unprocessed whole foods, and you know, I have a little bit of this and there. We make our own spelt bread. Um, my wife makes amazing bread. She's so good. And you know, I make I make cashew cheese. I mean, guess technically you'd call them processed, or even if you juice something, it's processed. But you know, as long as you're avoiding the the the, the bad ingredients, and it's just it's just such a fr- fresh and easy and great way to eat, and it just makes you, you feel, feel your so digestion amazing. feels amazing. Oh, I'll tell us yeah, about you. I'm just- so proud. <laughs> I'm so proud of my colon. Me and my colon buddies. <laughs> <laughs> back, back. I'm, I'm going to the toilet like twice a day now, like clockwork. And that is just like such an achievement for me. <laughs> it's kind of annoying because I sort of have to be within, you know, range of a toilet every sort of 12 to 24 hours. But just knowing that it's all just working and, you know, the fiber is just eliminating all of the toxins that you don't want. And it's just like, I just, I shudder at the thought of what it used to be like. I would be eating all these chicken wings and things and it would just be going in there and just going and hiding in there for five or six days and leaching cadaverine chemicals and rotting and all that's being assimilated by your body because your gut's an absorption organ. And it's just like, you know, whereas now it's like, I just feel so comfortable knowing that it's just the food that's going into my body my body is just loving it. It's thriving on it. Like it's absorbing the bits it wants. And I'm still getting the similar macros. Like, I mean, obviously my macro target has changed because I'm not eating ketogenic anymore, but I'm still getting like protein, fats, and carbs. Just I'm getting them in a balance now, which seems to be so much more. So you don't find it hard to, to hit your protein? <laughs> Absolutely not. Like I, I don't even give it a second's thought to be honest. Like most of the food sources that I eat already have the protein split into them. So like, you know, if I'm trying to say, I'd say roughly I'm eating about 55 to 60% carbs, about 20 protein and about 15 to 20 or maybe less fat. I should be way less than that fat, but there's protein in everything. And that's also like, I make that's sure like the I, ideal ratio right there. I make sure, well, for, for a person who's athletically, you know, and a full-time worker like me, that's a good ratio because it gives me lots of energy and like I'm, I'm not getting any smaller. Like I'm, I'm, I train pretty hard and it's in the, on the bars and I work pretty hard too. So it's a, it's a great, I'm not deficient in anything. I'm never tired. Like I'm, I used to, I never get anxious anymore. Like I just, I'm so calm now. Like, that seems like a really, really profound change for you. I mean, you were talking about before having to walk off to your car and settle yourself down. Jess, Jess really has, has noticed that a lot too. Like just I used to get really short with the kids and just to be able to, it's almost like you can take things in your stride a little bit. And even like I used to get triggered a lot. Like remember how I said I used to be like triggered by vegans and I'd get triggered by people, you know, questioning my diet or anything really. Whereas now it's just like, People, I, I get it like, you know, all vegans get a little bit of pushback and a little bit of, you get sort of attacked by people online or whether you, you people that just think you're crazy and part of you kind of wants to get into this big conversation with them and say like, you know, you even looked at the, you even looked at the what's in meat or what's in dairy and have you ever even considered it? And I'm trying to remain unbiased. I'm trying to remain conscious of, of if anything is going wrong. 
like, you know, there's things that there's, I'm not saying that vegan is like that going vegan has been a hundred percent. Everything has been perfect, but there's been challenges. And even within within your diet, things change. Like, and you have to be remain conscious of the fact that every diet has good and bad points. There's no perfect diet. You do have to pay attention when you're vegan. You do. You can't just leave it. Like, meat is a really convenient source of, you know, aminos. That's all meat is basically. It's just a twenty amino acids, nine essentials. You know, some protein, and it just so happens that meat is also packaged with other things that you might not want, like saturated fat, cholesterol, you know, high levels of, of certain aminos like leucine and methionine that you don't necessarily want. You know, it's got, it's got the, you know, TMAO, dioxins, all these different things that are in meat that, you know, they're not on the label. And, you know, then you, then you look at like dairy is the same, like dairy raises IGF-1 artificial, like, you know, to, it's, it's hormonally active is what I'm trying to say. Like, and it has casein. Like I looked at T. Colin Townsend's research on, on casein, how he was turning cancer on and off in rats just by giving them casein. Like I was, that just, that scared the living doubts out of me. <laughs> like, and if, if you know, the, the China study, all that sort of stuff, if you can look at all that science and just in your mind debunk it and ignore it, good for you. Like that's, I fully think if that's, if that's where you end up after reading that, then who am I to tell you that you're wrong? You know what I mean? And I know a lot of people that have read the same stuff that I've read and it hasn't made them sort of connect the way that it has to me. And that doesn't make me superior to them in any way at all. Just everyone has a different calling. And, you know, 12 months ago, I would have read the China study and thought it was a load of rubbish because I was, wasn't ready. And you need to be respectful and on of the fact that everybody will find it in their own time and some people may never. And it's not anyone's, it's not your job, it's not my job to go around telling people, like, I don't want people telling me what to eat, right? And, and so I shouldn't be going around telling other people what to eat, you know? And even just, I, I do try to encourage people to eat plant-based, but it's because of my own experience. It's not because I just read a really persuasive article or because some flashy celebrity dude went, vegan and I was like, oh look at this guy, he's vegan. We should all be vegan. You know, it needs to be coming from for for me, it's important to me that I've that I've come to this conclusion. And that's all that really matters. And for my family, obviously, my family I I'm more concerned about because, you know, my choices as to what I feed them is going to have a huge impact on their life, especially while they're young. And so I really needed to be a hundred percent confirmed or at least, you know, sure that what I was doing was right. Cause I can't think of anything worse than going vegan and then finding out in five years time that veganism was a big scam and, and like, you know, and I've raised my kids in a way that's detrimental to them. You know, I look back on my childhood and think, well, <laughs> I was raised the normal way. And now I look back and think that was quite detrimental to me with all those allergies and all the problems I was having. And, and even you know, getting to my mid twenties and having cholesterol of two hundred and seventy-five, and most most cardiovascular disease, well, all cardiovascular disease, there's a period of time where it's asymptomatic. You know, it's there. <clears throat> well, it starts when you're ten. Yeah, like that's what they found in that study. Like, so I I feel really comfortable with like because my my children are 
They don't eat meat and dairy. I haven't forced them not to. They still have the odd little bit of dairy here and there. They, we don't eat, have meat at all, but they're not, they're not, not allowed to have meat. Like if they, if they want to eat it, I don't have it in the house. We don't have it at home. But I just, and people go, how do you, if you do that? It's just like, well, no, you just don't, you don't have it available. And my children don't sit around going, oh, where's the meat? Like they just eat what's in front of them. And if we go to like someone's house and they serve meat, I'm like, you guys can have some. If you want some, you know, just because we don't eat it doesn't mean you don't eat it, but my son doesn't want to eat it because my son's like, well, my dad doesn't eat it. And like my dad's really healthy and fit. And so I want to be like him. And so I'm not going to eat it, you know, and he's, he's doing that on his own. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeding him vegan propaganda at home and making him chant, you know, mantras. And like, he's just, he just, cause he's a smart kid. All kids are smart. And like the compassion side of it as well, really children connect with that. I feel like we're all born compassionate and we kind of lose it like to a certain extent. And that's, it's just, that's hard for me to, to even say, especially on a podcast because I was quite embarrassed. It's a funny word to say, but I was quite embarrassed by that compassion forming inside of me when I became plant-based because it was kind of, I don't know. It's it weird. It just feels weird. Like it's I never like, cared. I didn't even know I had that within me. I know. And there's it's just to, to say to someone now, like, don't you like, you think you think it's really horrible that, you know, they take a baby cow away from its mother and then take its milk. And then they, don't you think it's horrible that the way they slaughter animals and like everyone goes, oh, here we go. Another vegan talking about animals. And it's just like, you know, I've kind of become that person. I'm not an activist or anything, but it's kind of hard to admit to people and to just go, I don't know, like, you know, why, why aren't you doing this? I don't know. It's because maybe I, maybe I care about the animals. Like, I don't know. Like, you don't Especially come this, on. You don't you know, care about big, the animals. Big, strong guy who yeah. was on a keto paleo. Yeah, it's, it's not even that. It's just, it's kind of <laughs> embarrassing to even, to even say to, to your friends that, oh, maybe I, maybe I care about animals now. Like, that's, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be weird. So I'll ask and you. for a kid, it's not weird. Because kids, like kids, kids care about animals. Like the way that I've been sort of talking to my son and reinforcing sort of what we do and why we do it is through animals. He loves animals. All children do. Like, you don't, children don't look at an animal and just think, oh, that looks delicious. They look at it and think, oh, that's like a little friend. And to, when I was sort of, I don't know by what age this happened, but I just viewed animals as just these mindless drone creatures that were just there for no purpose other than to be eaten. That's honestly how I used to view them. And, you know, you don't even think of them as a creature or a sentient, you know, thing that wants to live. Would you say that was a learned, a learned response from you and like just a a learned way of thinking or was it, um, uh, would you say going back to education, was that a lack of awareness and lack of education on what was actually happening? I kind of feel like, and probably I'd think about, I think it's about everyone. I could be wrong, but I think that within everyone, there's like a little compassionate vegan just waiting to be <laughs> like awakened. And I, I always, I always thought that it was kind of, I knew the animal industry was cruel. I just knew it was, but I just didn't want to see it. 
you know, and then like I, I watched, I forced myself to watch some of those documentaries like Earthlings and, you know, I thought I need to watch this just because I need to know, like what I said about wanting to know as much as I could about every decision I make. Part of my research was to look, what do they actually do? And that, like, I couldn't even watch that documentary. Like I watched it, but I had to like take breaks every 15 minutes and like just breathe it out and go, wow. Pretty mind boggling. Wow. <laughs> like, and not even just, not even just the food industry, like even once you start looking into leather and, and, and all that sort of stuff, it's, it's just, I was just like, I was ready for it. You know, I was, I was ready to face it and it was a hard thing to do. That's but, a key word though. You were ready. Mm. Like, you know, we, it was time. If I look back on my transition, I mean, I was, I wasn't privy to all of the information that Absolutely. I had. And my brother, it was, it was my brother at that stage who had gently nudged me in the direction mm. of maybe just exploring something a little deeper. Veganism isn't about, isn't about being a know-it-all. It's about knowing as much as you can on both sides. And if you know, if you know what's going on and if you know everything that that product is doing to your body and if you, if you have as much information as you possibly can and you've got it from credible sources, you're not just reading the vegan propaganda, if you're getting it from actual, the truest truth you can find, if once you've got all that in your head and then you are in a good position to make a decision and if you get to that point and you decide, you know what, I'm still going to eat them. I'm just, I don't care about any of that stuff. I, I don't care about the, what the meat's doing to my health. I don't care about the animals. I don't care about the environment because we haven't even spoken about the environment. So if you don't care about any of those ethical things and you just think they're all rubbish, if you just think they're all lies, that's, that's fine. If you, you, you live and die by that choice as I will, because I know a lot of people say to me like, oh, you're going to, you're going to die young from, I don't know, whatever disease vegan will die from. And I just kind of think, all right, that's good. It's good. Good for you. That's what you think. Well, that's not what I think. So I will live and die by my decisions and you will live and die by yours, right? And if someone knows all the information and then they, they're in the best position to make the right call, right? Looking at the whole big picture and not everyone's going to automatically just go, I'll be vegan. Like some person might go, well, if I eat say 10% of my diet from animal products or 5%, like take from the blue zones, for example, you know, the blue zones are an amazing Amazing bit of, you know, Blueprint. work. Well, just an amazing thing to, to consider. Like they eat a 95% vegan diet and they're the longest lived people on earth and some of the healthiest. And it's like, how do you, you can't, you can't explain that away with unbiased, with biased science. That was profound to me, that the blue zones. And so that's, that's, we're talking about whether or not vegans think that they know, are know-it-alls or superior. I don't think it's it's like what like what you said. I think you just know it. once you know everything, then you can make a call. Once you know all the things you can know, make your own call and own it. Right? You got to own it because that's it's, it. Does require big changes, and everyone's got to kind of it's not picking a side, but everyone's got to kind of pick a pick it and then the choice and live by it. So I've made mine, you know, and for my children and for my family, I want to. I want to give them the best that I think they can have. And that is the best that I think they can have. And if they get to 16, 18 years old and they decide, no, I don't want to do it, that's absolutely their choice, you know? 
and but you're encouraging habits which you yeah. believe in and i just say to my son you know this is strong food you know this is strong food this and if my son as he gets older asks me more and more questions like you know what's wrong with meat or why don't we eat the stuff that the other kids eat and i've got a, f- a few different things that i'd say to him i say to him well you know in order for us to eat that meat an animal has to die we have to kill that animal to eat it and they kill the animals when they're like four months old or six months old when they're basically baby animals. And he doesn't want that to happen. I don't, I don't think I've actually said that to him yet because he hasn't asked the question. But He's but, only five or six. Yeah, he's only six. six yeah. But he knows that animals get killed if you want to eat them. And, but I, also, I don't even go down that path with him. It's, just, it's also just like, I don't know, healthy. Like, you know, look at, look at me. Look at your dad. Like, I don't eat meat. Do I look unhealthy? You know? And it's just let him... Give him information, like give him the information that, that he needs and don't hide anything from him. Like I kind of feel like as I was raised, I was only sort of, I wasn't given sort of any information. I was just, it was just the standard way to raise kids and eat. Default. Yeah, the default. And absolutely no, no disrespect at all to my parents because everyone was doing the same thing. And we're doing the best with what We didn't have that access that we have now. Like we have the internet like in a way that we didn't have back then. And there is like science has just been published online and you can just, you can search and read. Just think about how hard it would have been back, you know, oh. in, in the eighties, right? There's, you know, no, no like proper internet. There's no Amazon. You can't just jump online and buy a book and have it delivered to your door. So mm. for a mother who's cooking up all the food in the kitchen, she's really, she's going on a, what she was taught by her mother. Yep. And B, what the doctors, the local doctors are, are encouraging. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And like the CSIRO and maybe the, the government's guidelines and also what's available and what the packaging says. Like you go to the supermarket and it's like, oh, this is good for growing bodies. You know, this box of whatever. The marketing, right? Yeah. yeah. It's marketing. And, and with, with, with your family, when you're plant-based, you almost need to combat that marketing, which is happening all around you every day with a version of your own marketing. So don't feel like you have to hide from your family what you think about food. Like if, you, if you've done what I've done and you've checked all your blood tests and it's all in the right direction and you're getting great results and you're getting a great experience, like just let that experience and that example be all that needs to be. You don't, it's words, actions speak a whole lot louder than words. You know? and and I was full of words when I was eating before and, and I'm full of words now, but, but it's just, it has to be where the rubber meets the road, you know, and if I'm, I've still got my ear to the ground. If, if things turn bad in any way, I'm, I'm aware of it. I want to know why, you know, and I, I don't think I'm a finished product as far as what I'm going to eat for the rest of my life. I can't see myself. I'm, I, mean, I have absolutely no plans to ever eat meat again or, or, dairy or eggs but like that's not just because i'm blinded to propaganda it's because of the result of it it's because of the observation and going right this is working for me and feeling the difference and feeling the difference absolutely like first first two or three first two months i struggled a little bit because of the fiber and my gut and i was a bit bloated and the transition was sort of quite hard it was almost like withdrawal to a certain extent but after I, and you coached me through this a bit, you said, oh, look, man, just, you know, stick with it and try to do this and that. There's a few little things you can do to try and lessen that. And once I got to like sort of six to eight weeks in, 
It just has been so good ever since. There's a bit of a process there. You, you're, everyone would have heard of the buzzword gut microbiome and mm. that's, you know, the, the healthy can be unhealthy. But in this circumstance, we're talking about the healthy bacteria, which is within your digestive tract and it's helping you digest foods and absorb nutrients. And it takes some time for that to change when you stop putting animal products in and you're starting to put in a ton more plant-based foods with heaps more fiber. That's right. And I think that's, we can, you can head off down into the weeds and the rabbit hole on every single little thing. Like, you know, poor old, poor old Michael Greger, he reads like thousands and thousands of studies and tries to distill them down. And there are thousands, but you got to, you got to just use your common sense too. Like if, if you're wondering, like most people, 90% of people I would say would be thinking a bacon and cheese and steak really healthy. Like really? Is that, that doesn't make sense to me, right? It never made sense. Even when I was eating it, I was like, it was so hard to believe, right? But to have someone say, oh, um, you know, fruits and vegetables are healthy. It's so much more common sense, isn't it? It just seems so much more like, oh, that, that, that may be true. <laughs> it's hard to ex- explain, but. Um, and I mean, fundamentally, like we're, we're talking, we're talking in extremes here when we talk about keto and we talk about being. Yeah, absolutely. And when I say extreme, I mean, we're talking about opposites, right? But health being a spectrum. And to your point there, we know that fruits and vegetables are healthy. And the root, one of the, the couple of the main problems, I guess, with the Western diet is that A, there's so much processed food mm. and B, the star of the plate is not the fruit mm. and vegetables. It's, it's the meat. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I just, it's, it seems like so much more of a common sense way to, way to eat what I'm doing now. And I'm seeing the results. It's just a real simple, simple health, right? Simple approach, easy to employ. Like I was, I was doing things like I was making my own bone broth, for example, like is getting the carcasses of a bunch of dead animals and putting them into a bowl and boiling them for 24 to 48 hours and then drinking the syrup and soup that comes off of that. Is that really seem like a path to health? Like at the time I thought this is so good for me, you know, and I'm sure there's lots of vitamins and, and really beneficial things that come in, in that are in, in that. But it's like, is that really the way to health? Is that necessary? Is it necessary? Like do I, can't I get... And once you find out you can get everything pretty much from plants, and that's just where the animals are getting it from, once you find out you can get almost everything you need from the plants, I'm just like, I'm just going to get them from the plants, you know? And when I went to a mate's farm and I was running around, this is a really romantic story, but I was running around in the paddock with his horse at like um, sun, like dusk. And this horse is an incredible, like me and my family are all there. It's so strong. Like they're massive. And just all muscle. And I'm just like, this thing just eats grass and hay and carrots. <laughs> like, it's crazy. Silly for me to think that I need to eat something further else when, and just that's, it's, it's funny. Like animals don't eat, those animals, they don't eat meat. <laughs> like, and here I am, I'm worried that I'm going to be deficient in something. And you just got this amazing creature in front of you that's so healthy. And it's just, it doesn't eat anything than just grass, simple whole food. It's all packed in there. You know, so that's just a. <laughs> now we, we are we're getting towards the end of of this episode. We've actually we are recording another Q and A Q&A as well this weekend, which I'm looking forward to. But just I'm just thinking that some take home advice 
for parents who want to help encourage their children to eat more plants, whether that's to adopt a fully whole whole food plant based diet or not. As a father, and as you know, you've you've been going through this process. What are some of your top tips for you know having them be receptive and enjoying it? Okay, so there's a couple of different ways that I did it to to um with my children, and like obviously our whole family is like my wife's sort of on board with the veganism now. She's really seen how great it's been, so she's been awesome. Um, and but I there's two different things you can do. You can sneak stuff in. Like it's kind of, it's tricky, but you can, you can chop up vegetables and put them into like, if I make a bolognese, for example, like, you know, spaghetti bolognese, it's kind of just your classic family sort of staple meal. And like, you know, we just use like, you know, the best quality sort of whole wheat pasta we can, or whole grain pasta we can afford or, and then you just load up the sauce with, with carrots and zucchini and, and, you know, beans, onions, just chuck it all in. And like, it's still the same meal to them. They just, there's just no minced meat in it. There's no oil in it. They don't know the difference. And, and take, for example, like find out the things that they do like, not, don't be so worried about things they can't eat, but sort of really make everyone focus on the things they can eat. So find out what they like and then just let them have them. Because like I said, it's cheap to be, to be whole food plant-based. So you can afford to splurge a little bit on like fresh, fresh blueberries, fresh raspberries, like get a pineapple. Get a get a mangoes, like and like my kids love potato, like that's one of those things I'll eat. And so like you know we just there's so many different potatoes out there. Get the purple ones, get the sweet potatoes, get the you know and just and and I make I make sauces for them. Like I make their favorite sauces. I get them in the kitchen with me. Like we 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 do it together, and it's you become pretty pretty quickly. You work out what they like and you don't want to hone in on something they like and give it to them every day because then they'll just end up forming like, you know, they'll just become picky eaters. Just got to keep it, keep it constantly open. There's things that my kids don't really like, but like that's when I use like the sneaky tactics. So like my kids don't really like mushrooms. So I'll, I'll put mushrooms into like, I'll make like a, a vegan sausage roll, for example, with all like inside it, there'll be all like, you know, a mixture of legumes and vegetables and everything and, and then we'll make like a we'll make it like a like a, a a spelt sort of pasta and put it with that sort of as a meal. And then after they've eaten it, I'll be like, you know, that had mushrooms in it, and they'll just be like, no. <laughs> so it's like there's, there's there's tricks you can use to get them to eat things, and just when your kids, I I think my son now is is kind of being becoming a bit more aware of the fact that he's really healthy, and not all kids are healthy. Because he's not having processed food at all, right? Pretty much. Pretty much. No, pretty much. Unless like he's he has with the his friends odd, or something. He has the odd like bit of chocolate and like I mean, there's certain things that they 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 love that aren't necessarily vegan. Like they love Kinder Surprise eggs. Like they might get one of those every now and then. But like you know that as far as you know, at the school canteen or at school lunch school lunches, like you know some of the stuff that kids are eating, Ted's like I'm not going to eat that because I just know it's not good for me. And like sports day came around and Ted was like, I really want to do well on sports day, dad. Like, you know, what should I eat? Like, you know, it's just like, no, you're already on track, man. You're already eating the, you know, great Good diet. Stuff. You're already on it. Don't worry. It's like your secret weapon, man. Like you've got something that they don't. And then, yeah, sure enough, sports day comes around, just wins the hundred meter sprint by like a couple meters. And he's just, this is reinforcing things into him. Healthy habit. It's reinforcing it into him. Not even the habit, but just the, the belief that he's eating the right things. 
And like, like he just love, they've just come to love. Like, you know how your taste buds change? Well, they love, like they eat spinach now. They eat all those things because they just, they know that. And also it helps when your dad's sitting there just like flogging it down. Like I eat a lot of plants. And I think that, like you said, hiding certain um, fruits, vegetable plants in within meals that actually encourages the taste buds to change yeah. quicker. So then they eventually, hopefully, they will eventually love mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> and like being able to eat grains is so freeing. It is so joyful and so freeing, right? <laughs> because I just, I was against them not eating them and so for ages. And so like being able to once again have oats and being able to have like really make really good quality bread. Like we make all our own bread because it's got no additives and it's just so delicious. We don't eat a great deal of it, but like eating, having whole grains for in the, in the diet makes things easy with kids because you can sort of, they, they all love that sort of stuff. Like he, if you're raising a child and then you're trying to raise them on low carb, it's such, it's so hard to, to, to not, to avoid those things. Like it's an important part of a child's menu like, you know, a sandwich or, you know, you, you can't send your kid to school. School lunch is kind of, it was always just a sandwich, isn't it? But for, for their sandwiches, like they'll just have like a, a cucumber and, and I make like my own sauces, like in, in the blender, you know, we make a lot of our own staples. So we make our own butter and our own, our own, like out of coconut oil. And we try to keep the diet similar to what it was or similar to what they were sort of aware of but it's it's a lot easier with my youngest son he's three and he's just we've been we've been sort of plant-based for a, sort of six eight months at home now he doesn't even know what what meat was like he's i mean he eats it like he, he'll eat it if it's put in front of him sort of just eats what's there yeah he just eats what's put in front of him and but like he can't he can't tell the difference between between plant food and, and animal food and I, as a parent, I just I'm, I'm I'm happier that he's eating plants because they just I just see them as healthier. What do you okay? say to the parent um, to the not even parents necessarily, but anyone? Uh, I know a common bit of sort of negativity that vegans get is how can you just remove animal products? Isn't don't they have their own choice? The kids. <laughs> yeah, well, I think. I, I put a post up on my Instagram a few months ago of my, my son was eating some coconut ice cream that I'd made and like he just randomly said, Dad, is this ice cream vegan? And I put it up and I thought it was really funny. A few people were like contacted me and just like, yes, but was it his choice? Was it his choice? You know, or did he take that choice away? And I was just like, this kid is two years old. What kind of parent is letting a two-year-old child choose their own food? Like, this is a basic sort of parenting 101. Like you don't let your children choose everything when they're that age. They need direction. They need guidance. And that's your job as a parent to provide that for them. If, if I let my two-year-old son choose everything he wanted to eat, he'd live on a diet of just jelly beans and, <laughs> like, and ice cream and that's be it. Like, so no, it's not, not his choice necessarily, but it will be his choice. If he comes to me one day and just says, Dad, I know you're a plant, you eat plant-based, but I just don't want to. I'll be like, you don't have to. Like, you know, I'm not forcing it on you. I've got my views about it. And, you know, I'll be disappointed if you're, you know, not in you, but I'll be disappointed if you aren't fueling your body that way because I view it as superior, you know, as a superior way to to nourish you and that'll make me sad. That's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of love, but it's also like it's coming from a, a place of, me being 
conscious of, of the impact of it on his body, with, on, on my own body. And I mean, that's it's my responsibility as a parent. You know, and it won't always be. One day he might, he might get older one day and when he's 18, he might be like, oh, my dad raised me as a vegan. And, then, and now I'm not. And if he thinks that's superior, then good for him. Like, that's fine. And, you know, he, everyone's got to make their own choice. You know, but when they're that young, like, it's important. It's important to me to just, you know, try to give them the best start. And I, I, I know it's, it's a healthy and vital way to live and thrive and avoid disease and to avoid problems. And I'm, as they get older, I'm just seeing it play out, just seeing it play out for my eyes. They're healthy kids. They've got no problems. They've got no allergies, like none. I had by that age when he was, by the time I was six, I had every allergy. Like, and well, not every allergy, but I had a lot of allergies. And he's got none. He's got no I mean, a lot of this, intolerances I mean, at hard, all. It may be hard for, for you to know, but I assume based on the increased incidents of allergies that many of their school friends and other people, other kids their age would have a lot of allergies. Absolutely. Like our school's like nut free. There's, I mean, not saying that allergies are necessarily hundred percent diet related. There's lots of other things that play into that, but a lot of things can be avoided. You know? And, and like my kids don't get, get sick very often, like their immunity's really good. And like, I'm not seeing any, any negatives at all, you know, and if I start to see negatives, I'll need to be aware of them because, you know, be foolish to just blindly shut off and go, right, I'm just all in and nothing. Like that's, that's what I was doing before. Mm-hmm. I was only looking at one side of the coin and the best thing about being plant-based for me is that now I kind of feel like I can see both sides of the coin and make an informed choice as to which one I think is better, you know, and that's, that's my choice. And I, I honestly think that, you know, my children will, 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 Go the same way because they're welcome to, they're welcome to, to not, but you know what I'm saying, don't you? I know exactly what you're saying. And, um, you know, I have an enormous amount of respect for you in that you're, you're a life learner and you, you test and learn, you're doing things based on hard, you're looking at blood tests, you're really digging deep and making sure that you're doing this, not just based on propaganda or on, couple of studies you're doing you're doing it based on the truth for your journey well my truth your truth and that's really come through and mate one final question you've listened to thousands of hours thousands and thousands (laughs) of hours on podcasts and you've no doubt come across joe rogan (laughs) big joe i would i would love to know if if you could have a conversation with Joe and it was about eating a plant-based diet, what would be the one thing that you would say to him? To Joe Rogan. All right. So, well, I know he's got very strong views about, you know, he's obviously not <laughs> in, in agreement with the vegan lifestyle, but I just, a lot of, I know a lot of people like that. And I just kind of think, what is, what is their end game? Like, what do you, how do you see the future playing out? Like, we live in a world where there's, you know, 70 billion farm animals at any one time. That's the low estimate. There could be more. And, you know, we have a, a need, a, a people eat meat now. And there's this huge global demand for meat, right? So there's millions and millions of animals every day getting killed for this global demand of meat. And if we all start eating like carnivore or eating, eating like that and eating more meat, Where's it going to come from? Like, 
meat's not just meat. There's also the crops that have to be planted to be to feed these animals. And I just can't see the I can't see how anyone can think that increasing meat consumption is it can be a good thing. Like health aside, like the health the health um, questions a bit of a minefield. Like you know they've got just as many claims to to health as 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 the vegan community do. So health aside, even just looking at the impact on the environment. I mean, we're not even considering the poor animals. Like they don't even get a mention. Like they just they're, they're like I said before, the animals are just a mindless drone to a person that's you know eating that way. It's just a they're just a, a resource that can just be exploited. As they they don't have any value. But I just think, where's this gonna? Where's it gonna come from? Where's the meat gonna come from? Like how how are we gonna do it? Because they are like, oh no, grass fed. They're still all grass fed, organic. Organic and grass fed, and we'll shut down the, the CAFOs and we'll shut down the animal factory farms. It's just like, but we need those factory farms in a sense to, to feed the growing amount of meat. Like, I just wonder what their end game is. Like, I just would love to have a conversation and say, how do you see the world in 20 years' time if everyone was to listen to you? Like, if everyone was to do what you are propagating and saying, then where are we going to be? And I just think, like one thing that I, one mantra that I really try to live by in my life is um, it's, in the, it's in the Bible. So there's the fruits of the spirit in Galatians and it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, mildness, and self-control. And I put all of my choices in life through those mantras or through those filters, I guess you'd call it. And, you know, to live a life of love and a life of peace and a life of kindness, like it's just, in my eyes, it's just, you can't question those traits, you know, self-control, patience, love, joy, just being plant-based to me really aligns with those, with those um, motivations and those fruits. And so that's why I am so sort of happy with where I've ended up as at this stage, because it all sort of, it all sort of rolls in together. And I know you briefly mentioned that, try to live sustainably in other areas you know i've got i've got solar panels on my house and i i cook on my fire that doesn't use power and all those sort of things yeah, and, yeah it's really and i'm just on a oh this it's just been the start of this journey i know it's getting it's crazy like i you know i just i want to have i want to try and really live in harmony with with as many things as i can you know and and it's kind of like you said, it sounds like kind of crazy hippie sort of thing. But, oh, no, I but admire it, mate. I really, yeah, I really, I really it does, love what you're doing. It does feel, it does feel good, you know. And I remember I, I said that I had a little inner compassionate vegan, you know, wanting to get out. Like my whole life, I always kind of just shut that that thing down, you know. And like I used to get defensive, like someone would quest, would question my habits. I'd get really defensive and I'd personalize and I'd attack. But it's like the, the the three stages of truth. At first, you ridicule it, then you attack it, and then you accept it. You know, if it's the truth, if it's the truest truth, like true truth is timeless. It's you can't be be debunked, debunked. Like it's just it'll always be true. And well, look, I'm searching for that truth, man. I, I look <laughs> I look forward to the day where we hear that Joe Rogan's inner vegan. As as surface, <laughs> long way down, but you never know. Mine was a long way down. And I just just quickly before we wrap up, I know you mentioned that the the carnivore sort of side of the debate has a similar amount of scientific studies. Have do you think in ter- what about long longer term sort of population based studies? 
Yeah, well, I think that's, and that was a big one that turned me, is that that they can't lay claim to any any um, group of people living in that, like that way for a long period of time. And I mean, the vegans say the reason why that's not, the vegan sort of scientists like Esselstyn and, and, and all those guys, they say, yeah, you can't, you can't do it long-term because, you know, it'll lead to atherosclerotic plaques, you know, and there's no people out there that have ever done it. They sometimes call on the Inuit and the Inuit had a low lifespan and the Inuit, yeah, that's, that's a long story, but, and the, the Maasai and like all these tribes that, are, that live off the land and eat a lot of fats and a lot of meats. But like you look at the, and then you, look, you look at the blue zones, like they were pretty much all vegetarian. Like, and if they did have meat, it was in small quantities. And it, it's, it's not, it's the opposite of reductionist science to look at a big picture, a hundred years, you know, to go and look at those populations. And that's just, that's almost like the gold standard of what you should be looking at if you want to get the biggest of big pictures is you can zoom in on any one little thing and use that as an excuse. And a lot of these, a lot of these, these, these bloggers and these videos where people try to debunk veganism or debunk things, they're always zooming in. It's micro. Yeah, it's micro, micro, whereas whereas opposed to macro vision and moving back out. And it's just like zoom back out and say, all right, explain to me why in Okinawa they eat 70% sweet potatoes and they eat like 5% meat, if that, and they eat soy every day. And then tell me again how carbs are going to kill me and how soy is going to kill me. Like, they would just laugh at that. Like, and so that's when, you, that's when you sort of like your little, you know, maybe this is not true radar starts to tingle, you know, and everyone needs to be really in tune with that radar and just go, something sounds wrong. And if someone's been listening to me talking on this podcast and their radar's going off and going, oh, this sounds wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. All right, that's good. Go, go listen to that voice. Go and research it. Go and find why I'm wrong, you know, and zoom, zoom in, zoom out and just get the best information you can get. And that's all that I've ever been doing, you know, and my, my research has led me to where I am, you know, and I own it. And if someone wants to, you know, I don't like to go around, I never talk about this stuff with anyone. Like it's not talked a little bit to people about it in the past, but it just doesn't work out. If someone's not, not receptive or listening or ready to hear or interested, there's just, you just don't need to hear it now, you know? And if someone's living a different way and they're really healthy, that's great, you know? And I was living a different way, but I wasn't healthy. I wasn't feeling healthy. And I mean, maybe this is one thing I'll, I always think about. Someone had come to my mum when she was 35 and said, Hey, Anna, you're going to die in 15 years from a stroke. She would have just, what would she have done differently in her life? Like if she'd, A, she wouldn't have believed them because she would have been like, please, 50, come on, I'm healthy. But if she had, someone had said that to her, they would have been right and she would have been wrong. And if someone came to me now and said, hey, Jezza, you're going to die in 15 years when your kids are 18 years old from your lifestyle, like would I listen to them? Would they be wrong or would I be wrong? You know, and that's, that's, that was the, probably the biggest thing that drove me because I was like, I'd hate to, I'd hate to, to just have a stroke or a heart attack or something in my, when I'm that age 
because I wasn't aware enough or wasn't paying enough attention when I was 35 or when it mattered. You know, and that's, that's something that I do not want to leave to chance. That's, that's what drove me because that's, that would be a, you know, you don't think of your, your future that way. No one should think of their future that way. Like, oh, I might not be around in 10 years, especially when you've got family. You know, I think my, I think we'll probably discuss this more in our Q&A, but the mixture of how many, how much muscle and how big and how strong and how much protein do I want to eat? And then you balance that by how long do I want to live and how long do I want to thrive and be alive and have a health span? There's a balance there. You know, if, you, if all you care about is gains in the gym and, and being this optimal human all the time, that's not necessarily conducive to longevity. Like there's two different sides of a coin there. There's a different way to live if you want to live for a long, long time. And the, Oka- the Okinawans definitely weren't in exactly. the gym pumping iron. Like I want to I live for a long, long, long time. And I don't want to live. I want to thrive for a long time. And, and why? why? Why do you want to live for a long time? Because does anyone want to die at any point? Like someone said to you, some guys go, oh, I don't want to live a long time. Like I don't want to be in a wheelchair for 30 years or 70, 80, 90 just like, yeah, but okay, tell me what day you want to die then. Like, you know, do you have a day in mind, an age in mind? What age do you want to die? I just want to live for as, and thrive for as long as this is natural. Like, I just want to sort of get out of the way of, of my body, stop, stop, you know, feeding it with inflammation and feeding it with things that are going to shorten its life and just let it, let it be. I've, I've got a family. I've got another baby on the way. I'm 35. Like, you know, I want to see my kids have kids and I want to see their kids have kids and I want to be like, 110 years old, you know, I'm not putting in limits, you know, I want to live forever. <laughs> well, mate, you are, you're living proof of a man who wants to not just live a long life, but live a, a life that is prosperous, thriving, you know, able to enjoy, enjoy moments and not be living you know, extra years with disease and on lots of medications. And I think it's, it's really admiring to see the changes that you've made in your life. Thanks, man. Um, and I think, you know, we haven't even gone into the calisthenics. We haven't oh. gone the calisthenics and the work that, you know, you're, what you're doing um, exercise-wise. But I think people, on a, on a final note, people will be interested to know how, how has your change in diet from a paleo sort of keto diet to plant-based diet, how has that changed anything from a workout perspective, strength, endurance, things like that? It definitely has. I've increased my endurance massively. Like I've massively increased my, my cardio endurance. Like I've never, I'm not a, really a cardio person, but I, I used to struggle with my cardio because I didn't do any, just not really, I don't do any cardio. But now I just kind of feel drawn to it. Like I just, I love that feeling of just running or just pushing harder in a workout and upping my reps and breathing hard. I never used to do that. Like, I used to feel sluggish. Like I used to feel like my, my blood was like treacle, just, you know, just slowly grinding its way through my body. Whereas now it just feels like it's just rushing, you know, it just, it's, and, and my strength hasn't changed at all. Like I know my body's way, way lower in inflammation than it was just because, and I mean, I've lost a fair bit of body fat, but I mean, the, the, the high end, maybe I've lost like a little tiny bit right at the real high end. Like when it comes to like, you know, things like, one arm chin ups and and planche and all the super high end moves. Like I feel as though since I've done this transition, I'm rebuilding it. But I, when I was going through the first couple of months, I was a bit weaker. 
but I've just been smashing it lately. There's been things that I haven't been able to do in the past that I can now do. Like my muscles are equally as strong and just having that, having that cardiovascular change has been great because like running around with my kids, playing sport, like as they get older, I'm going to be like doing sort of a lot more of that sort of stuff with them because we're a really outdoorsy family. You know, I, I don't want to be this dad that can't run up the hill and catch their kid, you know, especially like as, as you get older, like, yeah, it's been great. I haven't noticed anything in that. I say I haven't, I was, I was thriving before, but I'm thriving equally now. And with much like, I seem to have less preponderance for injuries. Like my, my, um, Ligaments and that all feel really strong. I recover so much faster. My recovery is just unbelievable. Like I don't get any soreness anymore unless I really, really earn it. But um, you know, which I occasionally do. But yeah, that's been that's been awesome. Like I kind of expected that. All with all with the peace of mind that you're also doing the best for your body and for the long term. Yeah. Now, guys, you need to check out Chez on <laughs> on Instagram. You need to see the crazy stuff that he does on bars. He he actually has. A a community bar night a couple of times a week in. in I've our- pretty much just built a whole gym in my backyard. I've basically got the whole Bondi gym in my backyard. You need to see. You need to see his backyard. He's, I'm a little bit obsessive. I'm a little bit a, crazy. He's a he's a real ninja warrior. And um, how can how can anyone get in touch with you on social media? Um. Well, yeah, I'm on social. I'm on Instagram. So my name's at bar underscore night so bar night's like what i what my sort of community bar sort of night is called we just call it bar night so you you are living proof of someone who has transitioned and your family has transitioned also there you know jez posts some of his blood test results and yeah, it's all up uh, dexa scans so have, a look. have a look so jump on over um connect with jez and as we mentioned there's going to be a, a q a where the two of us go through some some really common questions, some common plant-based questions that come up, whether it's to do with transitioning or specific nutrients, protein, things like that. That episode will follow this one shortly after. So, yeah. I think you and I have both got an incredible thirst for knowledge. That's what something I'd say that characterizes us both, you know, and so so keep your ear to the ground, don't you? We could could have easily clocked up three hours on this one, so... Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's call a an end to this one uh, once again, mate. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much, man. Thanks for the opportunity. And that's this week's episode of the Plant Proof Podcast. Connect with myself and the Plant Proof community at plantproof.com and at plant underscore proof on Instagram. Don't forget to sign up to the newsletter to receive our free plant-based nutritional information, including recipes important blogs, and much more direct to your inbox. Until next time, folks, I'm your host, Simon Hill. Keep your spacesuit plant-proof.